and welcome to Studio 41 presented by Chime. I'm Katia Vialba and a new basketball season is upon us. So to kick it off in the right style, we brought in three guys who will be doing absolutely nothing but watching basketball and tweeting about it for the next six months. From The Athletic, we have Tim Cato. Tim, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm happy to be a guy who is here today. <laughs> Love it. Austin Gurria from Dime Magazine. How's it going? It's going good. You know, it's about to get cold and it's about to be sweater season, as we discussed. So I'm It's very about excited. to be layer season. It's, so it's I'm, time I'm to ready. I'm clearly ready for it. And then my Studio 41 co host and self proclaimed spreadsheet king, Bobby Corella. I love sweatpants <laughs> <laughs> so much. What's better than this? Three guys being dudes, Katya driving the bus, making sure we don't go off the rails. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so by now we've seen two preseason games, um, so we've kind of gotten a little idea of what the team is going to look like. So I'm curious, Tim, what's caught your eye this preseason so far? I think just the good vibes. And, you know, it's, it's not just the preseason games, uh, but, but you can see it in the games themselves. You can see Luca throwing around the back, uh, you know, uh, behind the back passes. He's having fun out there. You saw it even at the, at the scrimmage, at the fan jam scrimmage the team had, uh, what was that, probably uh, a couple weekends ago. And you look around the NBA, not everybody's vibes are great right now. <laughs> and so for the Mavericks just to so clearly uh, be in a good place, to be carrying over everything that made them successful last season, that's a great place to be. Because last year was fun. And, you know, like I, I saw how much fans enjoyed that team. And there's no reason not to think that this team has the same level and the same ability to produce joy. And what is this really about, if not that? Austin? Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off, of the, the vibes are very good. And I think um, the young players especially have really been empowered, Jaden Hardy and Josh Green. And I think all the players really want them to succeed and the coaching staff wants them to succeed. And I think they've gotten a lot of opportunities to really show how much talent that they have and how much they can really like bring a, a good amount of energy to the team this year because they're bringing back a lot of the same players and a lot of the same rotation. And I think that's really what's going to take them to the, the next level. I think it's been a little wacky at times, but it's been fun to watch. If you're a human being and you have the ball, you pretty much have the green light to shoot it from three. Like JaVale McGee, he's hoisting him from the corner. Christian Wood is doing the Steph thing where he shoots it and then like turns around before it even, you know, before he knows if it goes in. Uh, risking Nick Young's status, but he made it. So that was awesome <laughs> in that Magic game. But um, it just really feels like, you know, we'll talk about the ball handler stuff, but maybe a comp overcompensation for lack of playmaking is just just shoot the crap out of the ball. Like if we shoot 53s in a game, it's gonna be fine. 63s in a game, gonna be fine. Do some transition stuff. It gets everybody involved. Allows Luca to do less. Now, once the games actually start, maybe Luca's gonna want to control things again and really sort of walk the ball up the floor and, and get into the offense. But so far in the preseason, it has really just been like if you're open, just the worst thing that can happen is that you miss and we can lean on the defense, which I think is cool because it's it's empowering everybody to to score and to shoot, and that's fun. A quicker you know? tempo this yeah. season would be fascinating and fun, like you said, but it's it's something historically the Mavericks haven't done, and, and I think there's a lot of reasons that they should lean into that, you know, specifically when Luke is not on the court. Open floor, you got a bunch of athletes. Like, let them do their thing. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., he can shoot, but he can run. Josh Green can run. You know, Christian Wood can run. He's bringing the ball up the floor. Like, it's just straight up, just they're just playing pickup basketball, and it is the preseason, so you know maybe that's just maybe we're just doing bits, but it really feels like there might be some sort of authentic kind of freewheeling nature to this whole thing. This John year. John Jenkins was a preseason MVP one year. Wow, I like 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 five years ago. He was great. Six, <laughs> six preseasons Team ago. Team member so, yeah. of Team USA. This summer, don't read too much into it, but 
there's always good stuff that you can kind of glean from preseason. And I think that's what we're trying to do today. I mean, people haven't had basketball for, you know, some months now in the offseason. So any little bit that they can, you know, get excited about, I think that is definitely something to look forward to. Um, Austin, I want to know who's, who's stuck out to you, who's caught your eye? I think Jaden Hardy's caught my eye the most. I've been surprised at how comfortable he looks and how natural he looks within the offense, even when he started the other night. Um, I thought he played pretty well, even when he missed shots. I think he's going to have an opportunity to actually make a real impact this season if he can get up to speed on the defensive end. Um, but the team, as we're going to discuss, needs ball handlers, and he's one of the guys who can create his own shot, and he's clearly very talented. He clearly went way too low in the draft. And I think he's really going to have a, a huge impact this season. His shot looks really good. It looks really, it's like, really especially clean. Especially the catch and shoot, yeah. And he's not afraid to shoot. I think he might be the only person who's like, I will take shots over Luca on this team. And so I think they need a little bit of that, you know, youthful exuberance on this team to kind of give him a little boost. He's Miss, definitely got the confidence. It definitely does not lack any confidence. Miss yeah. two in a row, like, doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't oh, I love going it. up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting this thing up. He, he and Tim are birds of a feather. <laughs> you know. No, I love that. And so that transitions us perfectly into our next talking point, which is uh, over the summer, we heard all this talk of, like, the need for the third ball handler, right? And so in the first game, we saw Spencer and Luca get the start together. And then in the second game, we saw Luca and Jaden Hardy get the start with Spencer coming off the bench and running the second unit. So, uh, Bobby, what do you think is the pros and cons to having Spencer either start or come off the bench? Pro is very obvious. Last season in the playoffs, it was very ISO heavy. You know, Luca and Jalen kind of taking turns. Spencer coming in off the bench, taking turns, creating everything for themselves or for everybody. And if Luca is the only guy, you know, we saw him last season, especially at the beginning of the year, get really overworked. Like, it, it's hard to, to teleport back even a year ago because the Mavs played a lot of basketball with Dinwiddie on the team. But at the beginning of the 21-22 season, it was the same exact situation as it is right now. It was Luka, and that's it. Jalen Brunson was coming off the bench. Trey Burke was, like, barely playing um, every fifth game, doing the thing that Goran Dragic reportedly didn't want to do or whatever. It was two guards, and they were split up, and Luka was not – he wasn't built for it at the time. you know. And, and the offense was very clunky around him. It wasn't just Luka's fault, but – it didn't really work. And then once they introduced another ball handler in a lineup, things really took off. So I think the pro is Luka doesn't have to do everything. You have multiple ways you can attack. The con is, this is only one game, of course, but in that Magic game, it felt like Denwood was doing a lot of watching. Like, Luka was doing everything for everybody. And so, like, you know, will they be able to kind of figure out that your turn, my turn thing that Luka and Brunson were able to figure out? Now, they played together for multiple years. Luka and Denwood have played together for, like, two months. So... If they can figure that out, find that balance, sort of strike that uh, fine line between Luca running the show and also like kind of taking part, sharing the load with, with Dinwiddie, I think he can pay off. Um, a con would be if you start them together, I guess whether you start them together or not, the, the number of minutes that they can share together is pretty limited. Like they're going to play together for five, six minutes in the first quarter, a few minutes in the second five, six minutes in the third, and to close games. And so for large stretches of, this, of games, unless they do go out and add a third guy or make a trade or whatever, it is going to just be one of them. And so it's a solution to start him at the beginning of games because you get that, that multiple ball handler look. But I wonder if in the middle of quarters, for large stretches in the second and fourth quarter, if maybe them sharing the floor at that point is better. You can start the game with defense. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I think there's, there's good and bad to both. I'd be curious to what you guys have to say. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to make that same point that they had this same guard set up to start last season. But I think they're much better equipped to handle that this season, especially with Christian Wood coming off the bench. So I'm not really concerned about them splitting minutes because I think their bench unit is going to be one of the best in the league. I think having Spencer, uh, Hardaway, and Christian Wood all off the bench when, when Luka is sitting is plenty of offense. Most, most bench units in the NBA can't handle that much firepower on the offensive end. And so I think... That's going to really work out for them. I think the actual con is when Luca or Spencer misses a game. That's where it's really going to become apparent that they don't have a really another ball handler to kind of just come run the offense. But as long as Luca and Spencer are both playing, I actually don't think it's going to be a huge issue. I think whether they start Josh Green and use a little defense or they or they bring Spencer in and then just kind of sub him up pretty early, um, I think it's going to work pretty well. But again, if one of them misses time, especially if one of them has like a serious injury, that's where I think the real downside will come in. And it's not just serious injury. Luca's missed an average of 13 uh, games the last three seasons. And you get in a situation where it just so happens that he has a, you know, just a minor something that he misses a couple games. And, you know, if that coincides with uh, Dinwiddie also being out for an unrelated reason, and, you know, again, even if it's something very small, that is going to be a tricky situation because there's nobody on this roster who can deputize and fill that massive role that is going to be expected out of both of those players offensively. It's going to be very heliocentric. It's going to be, you know, like Luca may set the all-time usage rate this season. And I think out of anybody in the league, uh, anybody alive ever that I'd want to do that, yeah, he's right up there. You know, like if, if somebody is going to do that, it should be Luka Doncic. He's that good. But, you know, if he does miss time and he and we've seen that he, he misses games here and there, you know, I, I think that's the one weakness. And, you know, it's potentially why the team may be exploring, you know, adding another guard, something like that. But, you know, I like Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, next to Luka. I agree that they're still learning where that partnership is. But in, in theory, you know, he is more direct of a player uh, than Jalen Brunson is. And he's someone when the ball does get to him on the weak side and the defense is scrambling when it's a little bit unbalanced, he can attack right away. He can shoot right away. He can make the, uh, the instant swing pass. I don't know if you guys remember last season, but that was, you know, like his first game. I just remember how quickly he would make that decision. And sometimes it was just a ball moving decision. So that's the player I want to see even when he's running the offense on his own. I, I, I do want to see it. I think there's a possibility that some of his old instincts we've seen, you know, previously in his career come out. But if he can remain that player, even while being the only guard on the court, even without Jalen Brunson or Luka Doncic next to him, I think the Mavericks offense is, is going to be just so good this season. It's just like teaming with talent and shooting. And to have those two guards, like, like they're in good hands. And so I think just, it's just something to watch. And uh, you know, overall, I'm, I'm definitely optimistic, both about the offense and about what Dinwiddie can do. You know, now about 20 months removed from ACL surgery that he had. Um, but it's at least something I'm going to keep an eye on. There's an innate like risk reward boom bust thing too. His shooting splits were so good last year in the regular right. season at least. Kind of went down a little bit in the playoffs until Game Seven against Phoenix. But he's been really good at catch and shoot threes throughout his <laughs> career. If you're playing with Luca, you're gonna take a ton of those. You know he's been not as efficient off the off the bounce. And if you're not playing with Luca, you're gonna take a lot more of those off the bounce threes. So the more they can play together, that's good. If there is shooting regression, that could be a big problem. But again, because he is so good at those catch-and-shoot threes, I would expect him to be, I don't know what Jalen ended up at last year. I think he was, he was pushing 40% maybe, or like high 30s. But, I mean, Denwood, he could be in that range, which is what they need, especially if it's only one of them on the floor at the same time. You have to surround them with shooting. But 
you know, Bullock, if Hardaway can come back and, and refine a stroke, he was really struggling last year, but everybody was. The ball thing, Tim, you were like the, you were the beat guy for the ball situation uh, for a couple months there. New ball, no one could get used to it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That was, <laughs> that was a weird couple months. So yeah, but everybody yeah. eventually found it out, right, but Tim yeah. got hurt before they did, right? <laughs> right. And so, uh, you know, if he can find a stroke, you got Bullock, you got Finney Smith, you know, Hardy will see, Josh Green will see, um, you know, Wood. I think they have a lot of shooting, Maxi. you know, so they have a lot of shooting around those guys, a lot of space around those guys, but they themselves, Luca and Dinwiddie, also have to knock down those shots in order for it to work. And like, and like you said, it is very similar to the start of last season. I mean, I guess the, the ball is better or, you know, adjusted or whatever, but in, in the sense that there's, there's two ball used to the balls. I, I, you know, everybody has to at some point in their lives. And it's just what, what is notable is that last season, you know, when they were starting with Doncic and, and Jalen Brunson and, you know, maybe a little bit of Trey Burke, those were the ball handlers. Their way around that was involving Chris Tapps Porzingis more in the offense. And we just saw that he couldn't do that. I don't, he's not a bad player. He, he definitely has value. But him being an offensive hub was not, you know, within his skill set at this point of his career in a way that it might have been earlier. And I think Christian Wood is better suited to do that. You know, it's, 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 I think he's the most interesting player on the Mavericks. I, I think that all of the best case scenarios involve him having just a fantastic year. Um, I think that there are scenarios that aren't as good, that, that are possible. But the idea of involving him as a, as a post-up player, as somebody who can even dribble here and there, who can lead a fast break, I think that's a really good place for the Mavericks to be. And I think it makes more sense than what they were trying to do to start last year. You brought a plan through him, too. Is he posting up, or what are you doing with him? Oh, I, I would post him up. I would use him as a pick-and-roll player. He honestly fits much more organically into the office than Porzingis did. I think a lot of times when they tried to isolate Porzingis or they tried to post him up, they really had to, like, like telegraph that they were going to post him up. It had to be. It was very mechanical, and it wasn't very organic. And I think with Christian Wood, especially in the preseason, just these two games, you've seen that he's easily able to get his, his post-up touches. He's able to get three-point shots off pretty easily, and then he's a much better and more natural pick-and-roll player. So when he rolls to the rim, he has a lot of gravity going to the rim, and Luka is going <laughs> to he's gonna get more and more ambitious with the lobs and the passes he's going to throw to Christian Wood as the season goes on because he's never played with a pick-and-roll man as talented as Christian Wood. He's probably as good as Dwight Powell as a, as a role man and as good as a pick-and-pop player as Maxi Kleber. And then he can also do the in-between stuff, and I think he's going to really add a lot to the offense. He's going to score... I would say he probably scores 20 points a game just off Ooh. of easy. He's going to get so many easy baskets that he doesn't have to work for. When he was in Houston, he isolated a lot. I think he was like top six in isolation possessions for a big man. And he's not going to have to do that here. I mean, he can do it and he can do it well, but he doesn't have to do that here. He can just set a screen, roll, and he'll get the ball and have an easy layup or he'll shoot a wide open three. And I think he's going to supplement a lot of the offense that Brunson, uh, that, that, that they lost with Brunson. And then I also think that with Dinwiddie, I think he's a little bit of a better creator than Brunson was as far as like a playmaker for the other players. And I think that's going to really benefit Christian Wood as well. So we awesome. I'm hyped. I'm I hyped. Know, yeah. Because we've seen, we've seen Christian Wood in some action this preseason. Um, at the Thunder game, he had a double-double, 16 points, 13 rebounds in just 25 minutes. And then Friday versus Magic, he had 23 points. He went 8 for 12 from the floor and 3 of 6 from 3. So, I mean. Is that good? That's, that's pretty that's good. Easy. Yeah. That's super good. Um, he's definitely showing his versatile skill set and also being able to roll with being a perimeter threat like we just talked about. So do you see him staying as the sixth man on this team or do you see him kind of moving into a starter role eventually? What do you think, Tim? I, I think the best case scenarios that I mentioned when it, when it comes to Wood 
is him becoming a starter, you know, basically proving with without any doubt, without any like like the fact that the coaching staff can't look at him and say, Oh yeah, we're gonna keep you off the bench. If he just forces his way into the starting lineup, that's great for the Mavericks. Right now, I, I do think that it's gonna take some time. I think that the there's trust that has to be earned from the coaching staff, especially on the defensive end. Uh, and it's been an emphasis. Uh, the Mavericks coaching staff says he's improving in that area. Um, you know, he knows Sean Sweeney. Uh, when when Christian Wood broke out in Detroit, Sean Sweeney, uh, who's the defensive coordinator of the Mavericks, uh, he was also on that Pistons coaching staff. And they've been working out together this summer and they kind have. of rebuilding that exactly. you know, relationship. So. And so I, I think, you know, there there is trust to be earned. I also think that athletic 6'10 basketball players tend to make an impact defensively. You know, it's it's harder for them not to make an impact than it is you know, for them to uh, to really struggle on that end. And, and if Christian Wood can figure that out, there's no questions about his offense and how, how he's going to pair with, with Luka. I, I think, you know, that that is all but certain. You know, the only question is exactly how you involve it. But defensively, you know, if he can also get, you know, even to an average role, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think he will be a starter at some point. Um, you know, and, and you have options to pair him with a JaVale McGee, who's more of a rim protector. You have options to pair him with Maxi Kleba, who would take you know, the better big man assignment pretty much in any scenario. Like, you would always be optimizing Christian Wood and who's he, who he's matched up against. And so I, I, I do, you know, in these best-case scenarios, uh, Christian Wood starting can only be a good thing. And it, I think it's up to him and, and his development and, and how he plays, especially in the opening weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be instantaneous. But let's check back in around Christmas, you know? Like, that's around the time where I'm, like, really wanting to see whether the Mavericks are all in on Christian Wood, and I guess, quite frankly, whether Christian Wood is all in on the Mavericks. Yeah, they've played him quite differently this preseason, where they've played him as the only big on the floor, but then they've also played him alongside another big, kind of as a four. So, Austin, I'm curious to know, like, how, where do you see him fitting in better, as a five or a four? I think I see him fitting in better as a four. I think, especially defensively, I think it's going to take some time for him to get up to speed. The Mavericks, they were so sound defensively last year, and I think it took them a while to really get those rotations down, and I don't think Kid really wants to uh, sacrifice any defense, especially early on in the season. But I think him playing against the Maxi Kleber is just the perfect fit. Um, and I think, I, honestly, I would probably keep him on the bench for most of the season. I think he actually, it's him coming off the bench is a much better, more natural rotation fit for them. And it allows them to kind of diversify their attacks. So when, when Luca starts with, with, with JaVale, they can kind of just play Luca ball. He can just run high pick and roll, kick off to shooters, and just do that for the first quarter of the game. And then they bring in Christian Wood and Spencer Dinwiddie and Tim Harwoodian, and they kind of diversify their attacks. So it kind of gives them two different looks because last year they had pretty much the same look for most of the game. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't really diversify their attack. And I think bringing Christian Wood off the bench kind of helps them both offensively and then helps them come in with Maxi Kleber on the defensive end and kind of shores up any, any mis- misgivings he may have on that side. Yeah, I think uh, if he is coming off the bench, whether he's the four or the five, I guess it, it sort of depends. I think he's better suited playing with a guy like Maxi as opposed to, offensively, I mean, playing with a guy like Maxi as opposed to a guy like McGee or Powell because for those non-shooting bigs, if they're not the guy setting the screen for Luka, it just really clogs things up. We saw it last year, Luka KP trying to run the pick and pop or pick and roll or whatever, and then you have Powell sort of lurking in the dunker spot. And it's like KP wants a post up, Powell's there, Luka's trying to drive the lane. It's just like too many bodies. Uh, so offensively, I think for sure. And then defensively, I think he might fit better with Maxi too for the reasons y'all were saying. You know, you can put Maxi on the better player or off the bench if it's, if it's like Kleba, Josh Green, 
Tim, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is not necessarily like this plus-plus defensive player in the way that Finney Smith or Bullock is, but he's athletic and can switch. You know, you surround Wood just like you would want to surround Luka with these versatile defenders, athletic guys, rangy guys, long wingspan mm -hmm. that can help kind of cover up any, any sort of holes that there would be. But I think, you know, if it's obviously not as easy to make a one-to-one -one comparison big to small, but... You know, Jalen Brunson is not like this defensive stopper either. And they were able to have a top 10 defense playing him last year. And it's a lot easier, I think, as a big man to either hide or overcome any sort of defensive shortcomings because you are just really long and athletic and big. And you can just stand there and be a problem. Whereas Jalen last year, you know, was having to dodge screens and there's only, you can't get taller, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so there's a lot of things that he could not do to be better, but the effort was there. Wood has this extraordinary athletic ability. And so if the effort is there, and if the desire and willingness to communicate is there, you can call out all the stuff, you know, Dwight Powell, not the perfect defender, but he does communicate. You know, yeah. uh, we know JaVale is going to come in here and communicate. Maxie and Jalen, they kind of got mixed up a couple times because maybe they wouldn't communicate. But if you can talk, then you can fit in on the defensive end. And I think you just put forth the effort. So I think surrounding him with switchy guys, rangy guys, plus, you know, plus defenders, mm -hmm. I think does a lot to overcome any sort of shortcomings. Uh, yeah, at least early in the season, I think it's, we're going to see him most. We're going to see Christian Wood most with Maxie. Uh, I think we're going to see him some with JaVale. And I think him as the only center is going to be, I don't think it's ever going to be something planned or, or not consistently planned. And it will be something that Jason Kidd goes to based off game states and maybe very specific matchups that he's seeing on the court. And, yeah, I mean, like, if you're right. playing the Wolves and it's Gobert at the five, like, yeah. let's spread the floor. We yeah. saw them do it to the Jazz. Right. You know, it's, yeah. it's only Maxi and only Wood. But, but even then, you're probably still playing Maxi there, right? You know, you're playing Maxi yeah. with Christian Wood. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if teams go small, I, I think there are instances where it's going to make sense to try that. And if it goes well, then we're going to keep seeing more of it. But, you know, when, when I say things like, like earning trust, like I, I think that's an example of something that, you know, we're just not going to see it in, in heavy doses and in heavy minutes. It's not going to be something the Mavericks uh, plan around frequently for, you know, like 20 minutes per game. I think it's going to be a lot of two, two big men on the court. Uh, pretty much any time it's not the starting five, you know, where it's, where it's just JaVale out there. I think it'll be kind of a little bit like when they played Dorian at the five last year, where they, you kind of just I was use, thinking it, of that. Yeah. You use it when you, when you can, when you think you can get away with it, but I don't think it will be like an every, day, every game thing. Right. So is he on. closing games in or what? That's, I'm really interested to see what, what, what they do to close games. I think he will end up closing games, but I'm interested to see what five closes the first mm -hmm. clutch game. Because it's honestly, it's, I, I don't, who would you start as your five? Or close as your five? I, don't, I mean, who are you playing? If you're going up against Embiid, then, like, I'm not asking Christian Wood to guard Embiid down the stretch, you know? But if you're going up against, like, Bruce Brown isn't on the Nets anymore, but, like, the Nets with Bruce Brown at the five, then, like, I'm putting athletes on the floor. Or even Ben you know? Simmons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's a, well, he's a point guard, Tim. I think on the offensive side, too, just having a big who is very versatile in that, uh, especially with, like, the Mavs, I think a, a big thing that the Mavs do is they have driving guards, right? So the guards, like, love to drive to the basket. They either take it or they kick it out. So being able to have, you know, the option to kick it out to Christian on the perimeter, I think that's really important as well. So. Or have him just pull up for three in transition. He's taking That's setbacks already. I, yeah, he's taking setbacks. He's bringing the ball up the court. Like, I love to see it. I love to see the trust that's just given to these players. You are, said. 
Here. Bobby is just promoting gunnerism. Yeah, you know? <laughs> just fire away. Yeah. I mean, seriously, just take sixty a game. Just see what happens. Like the only people this 60 year that a game. Yes, I mean the only people, the only play. Like I'm, we're, I'm teleporting you to the future right now, right here in Studio Forty One. Preserve my time. The only players on the team this year that need to take twos are either Luca, Dinwiddie, McGee, Powell, or Wood. Everybody else, like threes only, or like unless it's a dunk in transition or something. Okay. Threes only. You heard it here first. Like <laughs> third. 35, 40 paint attempts and like 50 to 60 threes. Like, wow. you know, let's go. You know how teams like hang up their motto for the season in a, in a locker room or something? I feel like you want the motto to be that tweet that just says, it's Jordan Clarkson time. Yes. It says yeah. Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. If you're but open, shoot. to every player on the team. <laughs> like if, if you're open, shoot. The yeah. Where do they have trouble at times is when somebody dribbles too many times. Whether that's, that doesn't even have to be Luca. It could be anybody on the team. You dribble too much, it's over. You, you don't have like, to hand of the ball if you're shooting it. Yes, exactly. Just it was, shoot, it was shoot funny. In one of the preseason games, Maxi took like five dribbles and, and just walked into a three, which is kind of, kind of what you mean. I mean, there's more dribbles involved, but yeah. Yeah. you know, you're just like, hey, I have the ball. I'm running down. Nobody's covering me at the three-point line. There's not teammates trailing with me. Even if there were, like, uh, he knows he's Maxi uh, Kleber. He's not going to thread a you know, a, a dime for an assist. Yeah, just shoot it. Fire away, man. Fire away. Because if you make them, they have to guard right. you. What's you the know? worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah. Nothing. You miss 100% of the shots who's, you don't who's take. Who's going to stop them? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess only Jason Kidd could stop them at that point. But that's it's fair. interesting because last season, going into the season, Jason Kidd was like, okay, if the threes, isn't, if the threes not falling, we're not, we're going to not take it. And now here we are talking about like, no, just keep going. Just, just, keep, just keep going. Just I keep think going. like you spend like one week coaching Luca. You can have whatever <laughs> sort of like pillars that you want, but you spend one week coaching Luca. You're like, I only want threes. Like give that guy as much space as possible. You know, he goes back to the Picasso thing. Like, this dude is painting a masterpiece. Get that F out of his way. You know, like, let him work. I'm, I'm ready. That sounds like Luca MVP season. It's, they're going to they're gonna make you do the, uh, the pregame speech. Yeah. <laughs> You're fired up, Hey, man. all of you millionaires, just go stand over there. Don't, <laughs> don't touch the ball. Don't ask for the ball. Let him do everything. So we're coming up on the close of preseason, and that means some decisions are going to have to be made as far as roster is concerned. So they have one two-way spot open right now. Uh, who has made an impression on you this preseason? I don't, I don't know if the Mavericks sign someone from this group. They might. I mean, I, it's just so hard to say because the, the, way that the, teams, the way that teams look at two-way spots is that they're looking at their own players, and they're also looking at every other you know, training camp deal player around the league. They have lists sure. and lists and they're updating. And I, I think it's equally likely that the Mavericks signed somebody, you know, who is currently playing preseason games with some, uh, you know, with another team than, than they do, you know, any of their own players. Because what that role is for is, is for long-term development. And in that way, you know, the one two-way contract player that they do have, Tyler Bay, doesn't really fit that. Dorsey, um, Dorsey. Or Dorsey. Ghost, Tyler Bay, famous. Shout out Tyler Bay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The other, the other Tyler. There's yeah. too many Tylers, man. There's too yeah, many Tyler Dorsey. You know, he's he's kind of a an odd case, um, just because he is, uh, I believe, 27. I believe he's 28. You know, he has European experience, things like that. Um, but generally, the way the Mavericks treat that is is, um, you know, they they really canvass the entire league, and it, and it may be somebody that you didn't even know that they were paying attention to. Uh, that seems equally likely. But, you know, out, out of those five guys, out of the five training camp guys, has, has one of them stood out to you? 
I think the only guy who stood out to me is McKinley Wright. He looked like a competent uh, yeah. NBA point guard. I was like, okay, you belong in the NBA. I think you, you know how to play the point guard position. But honestly, out of the group, I just not a lot of the guys really stuck out. Last year, the training camp guys were actually – there was actually multiple guys I was like, I think could get a two-way deal. Yeah. But this year, I just don't think they really popped like they did last year. And I think McKinley Wright is only the only person who could possibly get a, a two-way deal. What ended up happening last year, because it was, it was Eugene Omarui and Ja'Cory McLaughlin right away, and then they ended up cutting McLaughlin, and they Omarui got hurt, and they cut him as well, I believe. Yeah. They ended he up he was Pinson. going to be on a two-way contract, and, and then he it got was only split, by, I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And they ended up with Theo Pinson. Was there somebody else? Am I missing? I feel like a dope. They may have. Well, Theo like Pinson wasn't on Moses Wright. Moses Wright. Oh, yeah. That's oh, right. At the yeah. end of the year, yeah. yeah. It ended up being Moses Wright. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're I think right. they churned through a lot. They, they were signing so many 10-day um, uh, hardships that I, I I can't even tell you off the top of my head whether they had both of the two ways filled, but there were so many players cycling in and out mm. because of those hardship deals in, in December that, you know, that's like that's where Theo Pinson came. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think he signed three in a row, and then he got the two-way. We yeah, got think... one game of Isaiah Thomas, you know. Just... We, had a we did. Nice <laughs> nice is, is he on the court now? Is his name on the court? Uh, yeah, if you played one game, your name is on the yeah. floor. Um, he actually, what, he had six points and two assists, I think, so he's... he's well, you don't like even have to play one there. game. Tony Romo's name Tony, is on there. Yeah, Tony yeah. I don't know if it is anymore. I don't know if it is anymore. Mm, but It was. Um, I think the only year that they've ever signed a two-way player and kept him for the whole season was 2018-19. That was Daryl Macon and Costas Antetokounmpo, I think. They had them on the, in the two-way slots the entire season. Every other year, I think the first year for two ways was either 16 or 17. They've usually gone through three or four or five of these guys. So we'll see. Even if they do sign, who knows uh, who's, who's here at the end of the season. But Austin, I agree with you. It's McKinley Wright season. I really, I really appreciate the way that he played against OKC, and I like his defense. I think he's, you know, he's a hard-nosed guy. Um, but really, most of the guys that they brought in, it feels like are a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, like Dorsey is 27, 28, however old he is. But... Uh, you know, Tyler Hall's been around for a little while. McKinley Wright's been in the NBA for a little while. So there aren't as many, like, rookies to choose from uh, in the way that maybe you would if you were experiencing a youth movement. They got the only rookie they need on the bench. Who, no. Josh Green? Not Josh Green. Jaden Hardy. Hardy. No, I know. I know. <laughs> well, last year was Josh Green's rookie, rookie year. <laughs> <laughs> this is his third rookie season coming up. There, I'm pretty sure Jason Kidd at one point gave a quote where he was trying not to say, well, it's basically his rookie year again. <laughs> oh, so gosh. It's, it's that, it's that oh, and, uh, well, we've got a really young team. Yeah. And then you look around <laughs> at the team and their ages, and you're like, well, you've got... Young at heart. Young at heart. Yeah, and age is relative, yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're being real. Right. I think this year, the only player on the team who's older than I am is JaVale. So it is, you know, I feel young, so it is a young team, yeah. in my opinion. There's still 30, several. young. There's still several players older than so. me. So, but I, <laughs> 31. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I might I look know. 16. <laughs> all right, but 31 is pretty up there. I don't know. 30s young. 31. I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah, you about. shaved <laughs> your beard and you went from 40 to 20. I know. Yeah, I know. Feels okay. good to be in high school. <laughs> so switching gears. It's a new season. The slates are clear and the sky's the limit, right? Everyone is going to go 82 and 0 right now. Uh, so when it comes to the season, everyone's fresh and ready to make the best of it. So. Let's hop in the time machine, go six months from now. The Mavs have 60 wins. How did we get there? Ooh. I think, I think Christian Wood okay. is just everything the Mavericks think he's going to be offensively and more. He's averaging 24 points. Ooh. And he's an above-average defender. Like, I like whatever, it. you know, all of the struggles and all of the, you know, 
losing teams that he played for just didn't give him the right situation for this buy-in to happen. And now that he's actually in a different situation, it does. And like he's pushing for all NBA. I, you know, let's let's not get too carried away. But he's like someone who's a like in the all-star conversation. And all of a sudden you have your second star. So why why wouldn't they push for 60 wins at this point? I mean, Media Day, he did say, you know, I was on two teams that did not have winning records. This is my first experience on right. a team with a winning record. So he and did seem to be. He said before he wants to be an all-star. I mean, yeah. every player says this, of, co- of course. But, you know, that, that's, that should be his aspirations. For sure. Austin? Spencer did what he's a borderline all-star. He's just, they just channeled Game 7 against Phoenix, but for an entire season, he just shoots the lights out, has an absolutely incredible season just a guy who's doesn't make the all-star team but is actually considered for it and actually thought about for the all-star team and then also christian wood comes along and he's averaging 20 and 10 and then josh green makes a leap josh green is makes such a big leap that he's starting over reggie bullock oh, oh wow. wow that's wow that's how they get to 60 wins do we know if there's a fire extinguisher <sighs> around here oh uh, well you we know? do now the, <laughs> fire <inspector. laughs> the fire inspector was here today and told us you asked me what it takes that's, that TV. That, that's, hey. what it, that's what it takes he's so good that they just have to start him i did say last week that if josh green can make the improvements that everyone's expecting him to make he could be in the running for most improved i mean if he goes yeah. into like consistently getting like 15 to 18 minutes a game and making impacts like that i i could see him getting the notoriety to I mean, be heck if he's starting maybe he's scoring 20. i mean yeah <laughs> the sky's the limit baby yeah. uh i think those things are true. Maybe not the Josh Green thing. <laughs> I, I love. I, I, th- I think being a super sub is good uh, for you football fans out there. But uh, I think that the way that they win 60 is health is good. They make some sort of move to get another guy that can handle the ball, that they can play nightly. Um, and they just pummel the bad teams. There's no, like, going 0-3 against the Kings. Yeah. You're not dropping games at home to the Thunder. You're not losing at Orlando. Like, you have to go, like, 80 plus 90 plus win percentage against the really really bad teams which this season might be doable because we got a pretty star-studded draft coming up but that also means that all the other good teams are going to go 90 percent against the bad teams so if you're trying to win 60 you got to be even better um so those are the that's that's the stuff you got to be healthy those two guys need to pop off you gotta you gotta win against the bad teams you have to continue winning at home last year it should be noted like, this seems outrageous, the Mavs winning 60 games. It seems like a, a, an outrageous notion. But after January 1st, there were, what, like 33-12 and 12 or something? They were on they a 61 pace. Yeah, they yeah. were really, really good. Now, it's going to be hard. to. They won games at the buzzer, and, you know, they played against the Clippers without Kawhi and all that stuff. So, like, it's not going to be as easy. But it is something that they, you know, we saw the formula. They yeah. beat all the bad teams. They beat some good teams. They stayed healthy, and they, and they did it. They, they finished the year 31-10. and 10. 31 cent? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the second half of last 20, season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's 62 and 20 if, if you were to you know, carry it over. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there are some things that are going to regress. You know, like you said, there were some close uh, games. They got a little lucky with how opponents shot threes against them, like wide open threes, threes that are completely outside of the Mavs' control. Uh, you know, they were just about best in the league at that. So, of, of course, I think some of that 31 and 10, you know, I, I don't think it's completely reckable. Uh, you know, just replicable. That word. replicable. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That that word replicable. Was, that that word was challenging me, and I'm like, my brain's not going to conquer this. I, I I didn't. I only had one cup of coffee. It's it's going to need another one before I do that. But I I also think that the this team shouldn't have the slow start they did. They they have a style. They have an identity, and they're carrying it over in a in a very um, clear and succinct way that should 
prevent any sort of the weirdness that that really permeated through the first 20 games. Um, and Luca especially as well. Like he's just going to be so good. You know, will like, they beat Phoenix one time? Will they oh, beat Phoenix one time? They went 0 and three against them, and then the year before they were like 0 and four. Yeah, uh, is this the year they the beat struggle. the Suns? Now, now, uh, now they've, they've they've climbed the mental hurdle. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. I I think I remember you know maybe a game seven that they won um, in May, and they won so three, four, and six. And they beat them four famously. Times. Yeah. Pretty handily. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. go like 0-7 yeah. in the regular season, but then you win a series against them. I think that kind of creates it's a, a wash. It's a wash. That is basically the storyline of D3, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I'm all about keeping things on an even keel, so now we have to discuss the doomsday scenario. So barring injuries, what what could go wrong with the team? I think it's... So it's, so it's funny. I'm actually writing a piece that kind of plans out the the different scenarios and win tiers. Oh, okay. Well, give and, it and so two. this is this is very fresh on my mind. Uh, so read the Athletic on Thursday if you want to check that out. But I, I think that the 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 bad case scenario, the the worst case scenarios, are ones that um, where everything that I, I kind of mentioned as as a possibility um, kind of comes to fruition. It's it's Spencer Dinwiddie just. Something about Spencer Dinwiddie playing with, an, uh, with another guard is directly why he was so successful last season, and some of that reverts. I think that the defense also reverts to a degree because they had some you know, fortunate things happen last season, and now they're in certain, in certain uh, like several more players who are not known for you know, being sharp all the time rotation players uh, into this team. Say what you want about Dwight Powell and Jalen Brunson, uh, two players who had defensive uh, limitations just based off their physicality. And, um, but they always made rotations. They were always where they needed to be. And if the Mavericks don't get that from you know, three players that weren't really in their rotation down the stretch of last season, uh, the third player I'm saying, JaVale McGee, I think he's got a lot better at that. But you know, he still has a, a inability to kind of run out of the three-point shooter sometimes. I think if that takes a step back, then the defense will also take a step back. So if you combine all of that together, and then you also consider what we said at the very beginning, that Luka does miss you know, about 13 games a season, and if the Mavericks just can't you know, survive, if they don't have anybody who can delegate when he's out, um, if it comes at a bad time, again, we're not talking cat uh, like catastrophe by any means. We're talking about just what we've come to expect yeah, back -to -backs from Luka. Happen. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I think if all of those add up, it's possible the Mavericks win, you know, with Luca, as long as Luca's healthy, they're going to win 44 45. That's, that's like the lowest I could see them going. But, you know, they're, they're over under, I believe, is uh, 48.5. And so that's the under scenario for this team, I think, for sure. Yeah, I think as, outside of injuries, which that would cause a catastrophe, but I think maybe Christian Wood not jiving with the team. The team has really great vibes. I think, mm -hmm. I think everyone gets along. They're really all on the same page. And I think if you messed up that chemistry, something happens, maybe he's not happy about not starting, there's maybe an issue somehow at some point in the season, I think that could cause the team to kind of, you know, underperform. Um, also, Spencer Dinwiddie just not playing as well as he did last year, maybe struggling to carry the second unit on his own as a single ball handler. Um, and then also maybe trying to fit in Tim Hardaway back into the offense, and maybe their defense takes a, a dip, and they just they really can't find their same um, defensive consistency that they had, because they were very consistent, especially in the second half of your defensively throughout games. And so... If they just can't find that consistency, they can't make those same rotations, I could see them dipping. But I think it would have to be kind of a mix of all three of those things. And I think you would have to really 
mess with the fabric of the team and the chemistry of the team because I think that's really their strength is that they're really tied and they're connected and that's what makes mm-hmm. their defense great and then they have Luka and that makes their offense great so I think that's really the one thing that could really torpedo their season. Yeah, I would say if you're having fun just like as a team, it shows on the court and that's a recipe for wins for sure. I think they have like a really firm hierarchy too now, you know, because yeah. like with, when Luka and KP were playing together, it was like, okay, is this like a 1-1-A mm-hmm. thing? Is this like a 1-2 thing? Is this like a, like a one space, 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 <laughs> everybody else thing? Um, mm-hmm. But now I think it's pretty clear that like Luka is like that guy. Yeah. You know, which maybe everything falls into place because of that. Uh, yeah, and I think that that allows everyone to kind of know where they're at, and like especially once they traded KP last, everyone's like, oh, we know our role. We know who who needs to take shots when. No one's asking for shots when they shouldn't be getting shots. People are even just. I, I remember Spencer saying that like Dorian was encouraging him to t- to shoot more. He was like, you need to shoot the ball more often. And so I think Luca really does allow them to have that good hierarchy. Is this the year Dorian hits the national stage and gets the love that he deserves? Oh, he's it's ready. We're ready for a, a Dorian so breakout ready. season. He had a breakout playoffs, so he's he's okay. on the national stage now. I think the the worst case scenario is right now as it stands, and this is before any moves, any things happen, any injuries or any trades or whatever, there's already like seven or eight teams in the West, depending on how you feel about the Lakers, that probably are pretty confident they deserve to be in the top six. And the Blazers maybe even in that situation too, you know, so like that could be they like look good. The West yeah. is stacked. I mean it yeah. could be that could be nine teams and we'll see about the others. Um so it's going to be very tough. The margins are thin, right? And last year, the second half of the season, they defended not historically well, but they defended really, really, really well in the clutch. Like number one in the NBA by a yeah. mile for a large portion of the season. We, we kept doing these post-game streams. At one point, they won like 11 out of 12 clutch games. Yeah, it was insane. Something, yeah, just something completely like uh, not replicable. Yeah. Potentially. Built on Never their defense. Never heard of that word. <laughs> based on their defense, based on clutch shot making as well. And they scored very well in the clutch in that same stretch of time. Now, that's very noteworthy about this team because the year before and the year before that, they were losing clutch games at almost a historic rate because they couldn't stop anybody at all. They were like dead last in the NBA, 19-20, dead last in the league in clutch defense. Again, not close. And they scored it decently, but you know, Lucas' three-point shot wasn't really there. They gave away a lot of games because they couldn't protect leads. So all of a sudden they upgrade the defense and now they're able to close the door. But what happens if you backslide a little bit? What happens if you go from winning 75 to 80% of your clutch games for three months to winning like 35 to 40%? Well, that might only be seven or eight wins. But if you take seven wins from last year's team, they go from number four to you know, playing against the Pelicans for the right to just make the top six. The Pelicans are another team that maybe deserve to be in the oh, top yeah. six too. So, you know, these are these are razor thin margins. You know, we're talking like four or five games. Heck, in 2020-21, it was a it was a condensed season, but going to the last game of the year, there was a three way tie for five, six, seven. You know, yeah. these are really thin margins. And the worst case scenario is that you don't make the playoffs. And you cannot make the playoffs because you win one or two fewer games because a guy misses a rotation or because Chemezi Metu just gets red hot for some reason <laughs> and buries one in that front of your bench. That haunts you. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> well, it was a big turning point in the stream's history. You know? it, yeah, it was. Um, but, you know, that, that kind of thing can happen. Some of that is out of your hands, but some of that is just legit. Like, can you defend? Can you win close games? Can mm-hmm. you come together to win close games the way you did? And if you don't, then, you know, you finish seventh or eighth as opposed to fourth or fifth or sixth. And then, you know, you, you lose one game in the 
playing and your season's done. Right. And yeah. and you're not, you know, what you're saying is it's not an apology for, you know, the Mavs winning those games last season. No, I mean, no, it was, no. It was fun. Yeah. But it is an acknowledgement that this was, you know, in the same way that in prior seasons, the Mavs were, you know, out of character, like uncharacteristically bad in these situations. They were uncharacteristically good last season. Not not in a Mavericks way, like in a in a any NBA team. In the course way. of NBA life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, that might balance out and it might balance out in a way that uh, you just need to, you know, temper expectations a little bit and, and just understand that, you know, as fun as it was, it might not be rec- replicable. There it is. What a dollar word. You use it three word. times yeah. and it's like, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, part yeah. of the vocab now. Yeah, it's ingrained now. But that that is, but I should also say that before they made this midseason turnaround, at the beginning of the year, they were really bad in clutch still. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, new coach, new regime, same old Mavs, and then something happened. Now, whether that's the trade, whether that's just they got a little lucky, whether that's defense really does win championships, who knows? But they won so many close games. I mean, that win in, uh, not Oakland, in San Francisco against the Warriors where they came back from 20 down or whatever. Uh, winning in Boston, winning at home against Boston. That was the first half of the year. But the game in Brooklyn, like the all Brooklyn of these games down. that come down to like the last couple shots, you know, when those all go your way, you're going to be top four. And if they don't, you might be mid four. And then, you know, you're just you're kicking yourself all summer. And the road games, the Boston and the Brooklyn game, those weren't Luka game winners. Those were Spencer game winners. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that says a lot, too, about trusting other people on your team other than Luka to take that shot. And I think that says a lot as well. I and mean, that game came down to the high five rule, which yeah. Luka's, oh, man, I forgot Luka's about two that. inches lower on Marcus <laughs> Smart's hand. And, yeah, they you know, lose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a basketball is a game of inches. What we always say. I think that's yeah. I think it's a very common basketball saying. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, is there any other storylines that have caught your eye? Anything else that you guys want to talk about? I'm just ready. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's that time. You know, Austin said it's almost sweater season, and and that's synonymous with basketball season. Yeah. I think so. Let's let's get it started. Next time we do this, we'll have to coordinate again. We will. Yeah, yeah. it's all earth tones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think. Uh, one thing that I'm looking forward to, not that I really participate in this sort of thing because I don't really write anymore, but this is so meta and lame. But now that locker rooms are opening again, like I'm hoping for really much more enlightening articles too. Like getting to, yeah. you know, rebuild these relationships. It's, you know, COVID's not over or anything, but the NBA is kind of returning back to the way things were. Um, and having more access, I think, is, is only a good thing. No offense to new media, um, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I think I think that I'm excited for for you guys as a magazine man and as an athletic man. I figure it's not new media. Uh, I don't Chopper. Are we new media or Chopper doesn't might be like kind of in between. I don't know, Kat. What do you think? I don't know. I think we're yeah we're kind of in between because we yeah. okay yeah. I, I do well, have one thing I'm pretty excited about though. What is it? I mean, Luka Doncic. Like we, I think we went the whole podcast without really discussing Luka whatsoever. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I think that's like, pretty cool. Really yeah. We're just like, yeah, that guy, that MVP candidate, he's he's okay. He's yeah. fine. I'm like, he's probably gonna have the best season of his career. He looks amazing. He looks he like he looked great in that. He looked honestly so good that he was bored and he was just trying stuff. And I think we'll see a lot of that this season. I think he's just gonna be. He's gonna just blow the doors off this season. And I'm really excited to watch him play basketball. Everyone. It's a treat to watch him. Like. He's, he's so, so good. He's so much fun, and he's so good, and he's so consistent that we don't have to talk about him. We don't have to acknowledge him because we just kind of, at this point, kind of just take it for granted that he's going to go 35, 12, and 10, and that's just kind of a normal night for him. 
But he, I think this might be the season he actually wins MVP. If they do end up having that like 55-1 season, um, I'm really excited to see what, where he can take his game to. He's totally solved defense. He did, yes. Like he, he just has, doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. Like there's nothing you can do with him. And I think the Eurobasket experience really helped him too, just kind of helped him to focus in because it's, it is kind of more difficult basketball. As he loves to answer that question between Europe and yeah, we should keep, and asking, we should yeah. keep answering that question. Yeah, yeah we should keep asking. Well, <laughs> another thing, um, we were talking about Wimby and Scoot. I was kind of joking. Well, I was not actually joking, but about how you got to beat the bad teams. I think that given what's at stake here, you know, uh, some of the players that could be in the draft, this isn't even tampering. This is just a prediction. I think there's going to be a lot of kind of weird trades this season. And so, um, you know, not saying that the Mavs are going to be one of those teams, but there's like 12, 14 teams that want to be good this year. Yeah. And the rest of them are okay with, you know, testing Strate their luck. Strategically yeah. aiming for that. Yeah. That and lottery, so this yeah. goes back to the doomsday scenario for the Mavs. Let's say the Pelicans swing a move for some superstar, like on the cheap or quality rotation players just flying around and, and go into, you know, the Blazers or the Wolves or like one of these other teams that the Mavs might be vying for seeding with. So it could be really bad or it could work out in the Mavs' favor and maybe the Mavs get a couple really, really nice players from teams that are trying to be bad because they want, you know, they want as many ping pong balls as they can get. They're, they're important, you know, especially if you're, if you're trying to rebuild a team, you know, you just want to. You want to have ping pong give, balls? You want to give yourself yeah. the best. The best yeah. odds. I mean, Rick would call them table tennis balls. Table tennis balls. Well, end Just of an era. Pong balls. Yeah, I mean, pong <laughs> balls. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to draft seven foot four Tracy McGrady? That seems like a, a fun idea. <laughs> <laughs> Those teams have players. Those players might be too good. I mean, yeah. like the JJ Barea was almost too good. It cost the Mavs Luca. Like one guy yeah. can be so good that it can affect your ping pong ball. Salah Mejri is almost too good. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Devin Harris was too good. Did yeah. Devin Harris have a game winner mixed in there as well? Uh, I think so. That I mean, in 2017-18, it was Berea, Devin, Dirk, and Dwight Powell off the bench. They were literally too good. They had to yeah. stop playing them yeah. because the second unit was like going plus seven in like two minutes <laughs> and just totally disrupting the plan. Yeah, that's wild. And so those teams that are trying to get for the ping pong balls, like these, they don't necessarily might not want their vets. And so there, were, there are going to be a lot of trades, I think, and, and probably sooner than later. Like December 15th, GMs are going to be like, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. We're, <laughs> we're only 14 games under 500. Like, we got to lose. We got to lose. Let's go. Okay, so I have a fun little game to play, Mavs player prediction. So I'm going to ask you all a question and then just give me, give me that, the first thing that comes to, to your heart, <laughs> to your mind. Uh, who will finish second in points per game? Christian Wood. Christian Wood. I already answered these on the corner three, which you can check out on YouTube and listen to on 97.1 <laughs> The Freak. So the floor is yours. How do, yeah, how do you think Christian Wood gets there? Wait a minute, Katya. Di didn't Isaac and I both say Dinwiddie? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Ooh, so oh, there wow. is disagreement. See, this is why wow. you need to talk about your answers. All right. Okay. Dinwiddie. <laughs> you losers. <laughs> I just think Dinwiddie, you know, as the only player, you know, as the only ball handler on the floor a lot of the times, he's going to have to morph into more of a setting up role. And if he is going to be spending a lot of time with Christian Wood, what's going to be the direct beneficiary of that? I think it's probably a bad thing if Dinwiddie's a second leading scorer because that probably means Luka missed a lot of games and so Spencer had to score a lot of points. I think Christian Wood is just going to, again, just get very easy bats. It's going to be easy for him to get to 20 points every game. I think watching them in the playoffs so long helped us forget how good Dinwiddie is at drawing fouls. And yeah. in the regular yeah. season, 
dude, I mean, he took, what, eight, nine a game since w- once he came to the Mavs, and it's more minutes is going to be more free throws. So it's those, that are, those are three game. points. Yeah. 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 So who is going to lead the team in rebounds this year? Luca. I'm going to go with Christian Wood again here. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then who did you say? I think I said Luca. You said Luca. Yeah. yeah. Isaac said JaVale. I agreed with Isaac. Yeah, because we we're like, the minutes may or may not be there, but yeah. he is going to scoop up so many rebounds yeah. while he's out there. Offensive rebounds, too. Yeah, he's just going to get those, like, oh, they bounced up, I just put my hands up. And yeah, because he's just a tall got man. Got a rebound. He's, yeah. a, he's just a big man. Here's the politics to rebounding, and, and Luca's going to get <laughs> all of the ones <laughs> yeah. that, you know, We've are... We've all seen the clip. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think Wood is just going to scoop up all the non-Luca minute rebounds. He's okay. just going to be out there just... Because he's going to be playing with Maxi, who's a good rebounder, but I think he'll just... He'll get a lot of offensive rebounds too, so I think he's just gonna he's just gonna accumulate a lot of stats. I, I see him having just big big numbers. I like it. Uh, so who will finish third in assists per game? Ooh. I mean, it'd be fun to say Josh Green. Josh Green's the fun answer here, right? Um, Sky's the limit right now. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Dorian Finney-Smith. I like it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I like yeah. that. Because uh, I think you'll play enough minutes. Right, just right, like, right. That's the trick about these questions. So you've also got to think about just how many opportunities they're going to have to be in assisting, you know, opportunities. Also, Doe's just not a catch-and-shoot guy. Like, only yeah, he's developing like, in that way. He's developing a, right. a new skill set. Right. So I think, I think he'll be, I think he'll be Finney Smith. I'm going to build a brand here, and I'm just going to say Christian Wood. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> I think he'll have a lot of post-up touches, and he'll kick out to a lot of shooters, and he'll just have a lot of just, like, catches on the short roll, kicks it out. I think he also just kind of, when he, he's playing a lot of Luka, non-Luka minutes, and so he'll be the focal point of the offense, and he'll just naturally get a lot of assists. He has some good, nice playmaking feel. It's not nothing. He's not Jokic or anything, but... I think he can, again, just kind of accumulate stats. He'll play enough minutes to do it. He did make a couple nice passes in that OKC game, yeah. which made me think of, like, I, I keep comparing him to KP in my head, and I know they're different people and different skill sets and everything, but, like, KP was an underrated passer as well. Yeah, I think he was. He was. Yeah. There's that element to Wood's game. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. was my guess. Mm. My you dark horse Tim, candidate yeah. is Wood, but I'm still, I'm sticking with Tim Hardaway Jr. That's smart. Okay, the next one is, uh, who will receive the most Luka assists this season? So this one's really interesting because it's been someone different every year of his career. His first year, it was DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> his second year was KP. His third year was Tim. And then last season was Dwight. Hmm. I'm going to say... I'm going to say JaVale McGee because I know what Austin's going to say. He's yeah, got a brand. Austin, we know yeah, so, so just, just to keep it consistent, and again, we're talking about opportunity. Luca's going to pass. He's going to set up the most shots for either Finney Smith or Bullock. But because they're shooting threes much more often than layups, he's just going to get less, dis- less assists to those players. So I'm going to say JaVale McGee, um, even playing about 20 minutes a night, like, there's going to be so much focus on that two-man game. And I think comparatively, Christian Wood's going to get a similar number of minutes on the court with Luka as JaVale is, even if Christian Wood plays a lot more minutes overall. I really want to say Dorian here, because I just love Dorian, and I think Luka and Dorian have a very special connection. It would be off-brand, though. But I, just, yeah, I, I mean, I'm Dorian is on-brand for you, too, yeah, but, but I'm, building a, I'm trying to build a strong brand yeah. here, and it's going to be Christian Wood. Okay. okay. Yeah. Just, Luka's yeah. just, just going to push himself to, like, what's the craziest pass that I can throw to Christian Wood? Can for I throw sure. it over my head? Can I throw it through my legs? Can I throw it behind the back for 40 feet and still get it to him? So I think 
he's going to get a lot of. See, that's what I think, but about McGee. I think so. my favorite <laughs> is that Luca, like his teammates, all say like, "We just have to be aware because if we're not paying attention, all of a sudden a ball can just like come out of nowhere." And he and throws them hard. He, he does. Hard. You just have to always be ready for the pass. Especially Dwight. What did oh. you say? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember my answer actually. Uh, you you both make compelling cases. I think to be a contrarian, I think I'll say Dorian. I think I'll say Dorian because they're going to play a boatload of minutes. And I think Dorian was a close second last season. Or actually, no, he was in second place, but he was not a close second place right. behind Dwight. I think he might have been second place behind Tim uh, the year before. So I'm going to I'm going to say tied. I think. Oh, were they? Were I they? think so. Okay. So I'm going to say I'm going to say Dorian. I'm a big. I think that was my big answer. Big Finney too. believer. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big Dodo fan. So who will make the most threes between Dorian, Reggie, or Tim this year? I've got, let's say Bullock. Ooh. Yeah. So Christian was not an option. (laughs) (laughs) It's rough. I'm going to say Bullock. I'm going to say Dorian. I think he's just going to get a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And he's going to hit a a high clip. Yeah, I think Dorian, uh, I think Tim is going to take more, but Dorian will make more. I think Hardaway is going to take like, 400 threes or something. Um, I guess Dorian might only take... But Dorian might take 400 threes too, though. He took a lot last I, year. I think, I think yeah. Bullock's going to take the most, and I don't think, you know, as long as he hits a 40% clip all year, I just... Well, October, November, I December was say, exists. known for slow start. He's shooting okay in preseason. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, true. Whereas last year, he wasn't. I, this is a really interesting one. We didn't get to this one on the show, I don't think. No, we didn't. Yeah, yeah. this is a really interesting one because you have one hot month you can surge up the leaderboards. Mm-hmm. Tim got to 200 threes, I think. He yeah, did. 200 threes two years in a row. Yes, he did. But as a starter. Correct. Yeah, I think all pretty much all year. I don't think he can get to 200 this year unless he plays like 30 minutes a game off the bench or something. Because, I mean, you got to make three a game. Yeah. Two and a half. But Ooh, he can also get know. his own. He's the only one who can get his own three. Mm. He doesn't need anybody to pass him the ball. And he's really the only one of those three guys. Like, Dorian made eight or seven in one game against Phoenix. But, like, Tim is the only one that whenever he gets hot, he's like, like dude, I'm going to shoot. Did Tim have no nine in a game? Nine? He made ten in a ten game. Ten in a game? Yeah. yeah. And he had, I mean, he had 46 or whatever against the Pistons. Like, dude, he will, he will put it up. And I I'd will say, I think he had family. I think his dad was at those yeah, games. So we just that. need to fly like Papa Tim Hardaway like everywhere. I, mean, I just feel like you guys are underrating how how quickly Bullock and, and how like little shame he will have shooting <laughs> his seventh straight. <laughs> like he will be 0 of 6 and he will launch that seventh one. And it's so quick. And if he's open, like he doesn't hesitate that much and he didn't play with Luca a lot at the beginning of last year no. so we and, really and don't have a lot of uh, a and lot that's of why I have yeah. more belief that you know like that's why I picked him because him in the starting lineup for 82 games him getting you know over 30 minutes every single night there was that weird start to the the, the season uh, he does have a history of starting slow but he's, he's also changed teams a lot and this is the first time he's coming in with an established consistent role he has familiarity with the players around him I think he's gonna he's he's gonna shoot like 405 percent, you know, something like that, forty one percent. Believe in Bullock. Yeah. I would be curious to go back and look at his splits, starting versus coming off the bench last season. I bet he just seems like one of those guys that right when he starts, he's right. Yeah, agreed. Uh, last one. What will happen more, Javale made threes or Luca dunks? Oh, that's great. <laughs> <It's> that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got I've got Luca dunks. Um, he had he did have like 13 or 14 his rookie year 
maybe maybe even 17. Um, I don't think we're gonna get that back. I, I just don't think I don't think he cares about dunking. Oh, you know, I think he, like, he cares. <laughs> <laughs> I just I remember times where like like he got made fun of for like not dunking on a fast break. Like he ended up laying it up, and you know I, I think he cares to an extent. But I I'm gonna go Luca. I'm gonna go Luca here. And what do y'all have? My heart says Javale threes because I think he's actually going to launch him this year, and I think he's going to get quite a few. But I actually think it's going to be Luca dunks because he dunked it a lot at Eurobasket. Yeah, he did. He That's was true. He was getting the rim yeah. a lot, and he I was like surprised by how much yeah. he was dunking the basketball. And I think he'll he's in good shape, and I think he's going to say he's fit. He's fit, and they're going to play five out a lot. He's going to get a lot of opportunities, get a lot of dunks, and he had a, he had some good dunks last year. Yeah, yeah. he dunked on Dwight Howard. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase my my answer. It's I'm still going to go with Luca. But both will have double digits. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I said that JaVale would make 25 threes this year. And that's wow. a prediction I'm still going to stand that's, by. I like I think he's going to go like 25 of 82. Something like He'll take one a game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, make 25. Um, I do think Luca last year, the dunk on Dwight, and then that driving, like between the legs, driving dunk against Philly, those were both in the back half of the year. I think he is starting to really recognize like the 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 momentum behind those dunks mm-hmm. like yeah the crowd true. just completely lost its mind whenever he threw that down that dunk against uh it was over Drummond I think yeah uh, yeah and then the Dwight one like the Mavs went on like a thirty to nothing run <laughs> after that dunk like I think that sort of you know it's worth trying just a little harder to inject a little energy into either the team or the building they set so the tone yeah yeah they, yeah they say hey we're not here to play and yeah I'm gonna like, dunk on you Dirk barely ever dunked but he would dunk in when times called for it you know he'd go up and he'd throw it down i love it yeah but i think javel is gonna make 25 i think luke is gonna have say 20 21 dunks this year so javel 25 yep Luca, 25 21. 21 i'm putting a number to it wow. i'll write it down uh type it down type it down <laughs> leave in the comments what is your prediction uh my Hello. prediction was uh javel threes because he just looked confident. Like, he just looks like he just wants to he, shoot he, the three. He wants to shoot him. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. And Me. especially... <laughs> <laughs> They're really far. They're really far. Especially with the team's mentality of just, like, sh- shoot the ball. Like, what's the worst that could happen? You, you don't make it, and then you try again. So, I, I'm going to go with JaVale threes. So, that, that was the end of our Mavs prediction game. Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to discuss or... I don't think so. Okay. Um, I would love to discuss that me and Austin discuss uh, all sorts of things uh, twice a week this season on 77 Minutes, our podcast. Yeah. So Plug. Yeah. Go ahead. Plug yeah. it up. Yeah. So we're, we're going to be doing twice a week. Uh, we're going to have episodes every Tuesday talking about the games and the players. And then we're going to have a, you know, probably a Thursday or a Friday episode where we, we try to get guests that just have interesting things to say about deeper topics surrounding the team and, and stories I've written and things like that. So I'm excited. I'm excited to do it this year. And I, I think in Austin's going to be on a lot of the episodes, not everyone, but uh, a, good, yeah. a good share of them. Well, we're going to have some load management this year. I can't, I can't exactly. do back-to-backs all exactly. season long. I'm, I'm 30 now, so that's... <laughs> I mean, you're averaging 77 minutes every time you come yeah, on. It's, and it's so rough. Like, that's, that's, that would be the league, I think. I don't 77 minutes, Studio mm-hmm. 41 crossover, maybe? Yeah. Oh, we got to do it. I mean, what, I mean, what is this if not technically that? Technically, this, yeah. uh, this could this be is, that. This is, yeah. this is the start of it. Absolutely. All right, we have so. to go for 118 minutes. How, far, how many minutes are we? Do you have another hour? Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go for 118. Bobby, normally I plug 
our Studio 41 stuff. Uh, yeah, table things, things to plug. I referenced The Corner 3 a couple times just now. That's a new show that started last week with me and Katya and Isaac Harris from Locked on Mavs and Mavs.com. That is going to be a new show slash podcast slash hangout sesh that you can see every Friday on YouTube and then listen to every Saturday on 97.1 The Freak. For those who don't know, Ben and Skin, they used to do the, the Eagle was the radio station. Well, now, no, that's no more. It is called The Freak now. They brought a bunch of new hosts um, from around the DFW radio circuit. And then they've given us, they're our flagship station, the Mavericks flagship, uh, flagship station. They've given us two hours every Saturday. So we're going to have the corner three on there. We're going to bring back numbers on the boards uh, with me and Skin. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have other stuff too. So check that out. And then also sub to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitch. We're going to be streaming again. We're going to have more roundtables. We're going to have more all sorts of good stuff. It's, it's going to be really fun. So we're kind of on the cusp of another season. No one knows what's going to happen, but we do know that we'll be here with you every step of the way in Studio 41. Presented by Chime. Like I've said, the sky's the limit. So super excited for this new season. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to join us here in Studio 41 presented by Chime for your 22-23 season preview. For Tim, for Austin, and for Bobby, I'm Katya. Thank you so much for joining us. See you next time. See y'all. Bye.